Hello and welcome back to Mother Tongue, your new set of eyes, ears and finger on the pulse for all parents around the world. I'm Marianne and this season I'm joined by Sarah, journalist, brummy and mum of one. We catch up weekly, chatting with experts, people of interest and mummers from around the world to discuss everything relating to parenthood. Listen in to hear more about navigating mummerhood, the products we swear by and the experiences we've been through during pregnancy, motherhood, work and beyond. Let's get going, shall we? Morning, everyone. Morning. Thank you all for coming to our first ever live podcast. Super, super excited to have you all here today. Everyone's got their coffee. Everyone's comfortable. Obviously, kids feel free to roam, enjoy, have fun. Um, And before we get going, I'm going to introduce you to my lovely guest today. This is Christine, and I will leave her to tell you all a little bit more about her. Good morning, everyone. A warm welcome to the Lego podcast. My name is Christine Pritzos, and I'm a counselling psychologist at the Lighthouse Arabia as well as the creator of a children's board game named Smart Art. And over the past 14 years, I've been working extensively with children, families, adults in play therapy. Well, not play therapy for the adults, but for the children. And then just uh, talk therapy for adults um, at Lighthouse Arabia. So today we're going to talk a lot about the importance of play and how we can introduce more play to our households and less screen time, which I know everyone, including myself, really struggles with. I was actually saying to Christine before that at the moment we start our day with screen time, which is something I really, really would like to eliminate from my life entirely. There's something quite nice about all getting into bed in the morning and having that family 20 minutes of screen time, but yeah, it's probably not the best way to start the day. Um, So on that note, please tell us, why is play so important and why do we need to protect play within our families and at home? So the first thing we need to know is that children learn about themselves as well as others through play and that play is the work of the child. And there are a myriad of benefits uh, to allowing our children free play time. And something that I learned recently was that there are so many hidden benefits just in a game of hide-and-seek. Now, you would think a game as simple as hide-and-seek is going to bring about so many different benefits. But, for example, working memory is um, activated when a child is playing hide-and-seek because they know I need to follow the instructions. Now I'm going to go and look for the person and then I'm going to be the one counting. There is uh, flexibility uh, that is uh, being exercised because the child needs to uh, learn how to maybe not hide under the um, bed because there isn't space, but rather behind the couch. Um, And so... Impulse control is also something that develops when a child is playing hide-and-seek because I can't blurt out that I'm behind the couch, right? So those are some of the benefits just through hide-and-seek. And then if we look at benefits in general, we know that play boosts creativity and imagination. Definitely. It helps with uh, increasing communication skills. It helps with fine and gross motor skills. It helps with boosting independent behavior because child learns how to explore their surroundings by themselves Mm. and so those are just some of the benefits yeah there are so many more benefits as well and 
interesting stat that I was reading earlier is that 90% of a child's brain develops by the age of five. So this window that we have now is so, so important. And there's so much that they can learn and so much that they are not learning through screen time. And I mean, you mentioned earlier something about the brain, how... It's about the grey, the grey area in the brain so, that's developed through screen time. It's so terrifying. just in preparation for this podcast, I was doing my own research and there was a study that was conducted where they measured, um, uh, they, had, they had a control group and an experiment group. The experiment group were 18-year-olds who spent 10 hours a day on their screens and there were 18-year-olds who spent only two hours a day on their screens. And then they took MRI scans of these individuals and they found that the, the ones who had 10 hours exposure to screen time had, um, had smaller, significantly smaller um, gray matter in the brain in comparison to their counterparts. So the part of the brain that is working and thinking and planning um, is put to rest when they are spending time on their screens. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. And I mean, so I, I don't know how old everyone's children are here. We have a two-year-old at home, and he's only started getting into more independent play, which has actually been massively helped by the introduction of Duplo in our life. We got gifted our first set of Duplo from a grandparent, I think it was, when Rafa turned one. And it was one of those things that we kind of always kept in the corner. I was like, oh, he's not old enough for this yet. We took it out, and he has the number train and the animal train. And he will now sit for a good 20 minutes, which I think is a lot for a toddler, playing with the animals, stacking them on top of each other, creating different things, building towers with all the numbers. And now we often sit and we count. We say, can we put one up to 10? And he tries and pieces them all together, puts one on top of the other. And not only is it great for him, he's getting more into that imaginative play role, but it's also lovely for me to sit there and take some time out of my day away from my own screens and the chaos that comes with motherhood and spend that 10 minutes just with him. So on to um, imaginative play, how, how can we encourage imaginative play at home? What tips can we take home with us today? So in my work with children in play therapy, the approach that I always used was non-directive play therapy, which allowed the child to direct the play. And so there are certain things that we can do to set up the environment in such a way that allows for the child's imagination to run wild. And there are four things that I think will really help with this. The first is limit. Limit the amount of toys in the child's playroom. That then leaves them to their own devices. And there was a a research scientist, Dorothy Singer, from Yale, Yale University, who did a lot of research on what the um, best types of play were for a child. And when she was interviewed in 2014, um, they asked her, what is the best toy for pretend play? And she said, it's the box. The box that the toy comes in is the best toy for pretend play because you can imagine that that box is a spaceship, a car, a TV, um, a house. And so the... So the first thing I'm going to say is limit the amount of toys in the playroom, then shift. Now, when we want to shift from reality play to pretend play, a simple way of doing this is to change the tone of your voice with the child to say, okay, let's imagine 
that we are now going to be animals in the forest. And I'm going to be the tiger. And then the, the parent lets out a roar and says to the child, now what are you going to be? So when we shift and we change tone of voice, it immediately tells the child that we're moving from reality into, into pretend play. And when we, when we want to come back from pretend play to reality, we might then use the same tone of voice to do that. Now, model. The best way to get your children to engage in pretend play is for you to model it yourself. Because children don't do as we say, children do as we do. And the last one is to have props in the house. The chef's hat, the policeman's hat, the fireman's hat, the stethoscope of the doctor. Um, and allowing the child to use some of these um, props to take them and transport them into that kind of world. Right? So I think less is more of here. Yeah. And rotation. I know this is something, I, I think it's really, really hard, especially in this region, to not spoil our children. And I feel with the mix of social media nowadays, you always want to have the perfect playroom with the latest toys and, you know, you don't want to say no to your children. I found that particularly difficult, especially when the arrival of our daughter, you know, we'd go to a store and Rafa would be like, I want this one. And I'd be like, okay, as long as you love your sister, that's all right. We can get you another toy. Um, but rotation has become really great in our house. So we store a lot of things in the cupboards and then we take things out slowly. So there's only limited amounts of things to play with at one time. And again, I think toys that are open-ended where possibilities are endless are also super helpful and I know that, again, is where Duplo steps in massively in our house because there are so many different things that you can do with it. We've tried now, as the kids grow older, to move away from those one-dimensional, one-functional toys. Is that the right way of saying it? So things that only do one thing and maybe look at things that can turn into multiple different things or work with multiple different things. And I think as we move into Christmas, I'm sure everyone's feeling that stress, that pressure of having to kind of reach new heights over what you did last year and find the perfect toys, but finding things that maybe can last for a bit longer, have slightly more longevity in a child's life, as opposed to buying something that's only really useful for, you know, one year is definitely a lot more helpful. And then we kind of come on to screen time. So screen time is all... It's a crux in our household anyway. We use it because it makes my life so much easier. But at the same time, I really want to try and limit the amount of screen time. Let's be honest, everyone's chaotic at the moment. And it's an easy option to be like, right here, have 10 minutes of Postman Pat, enjoy. What can we do that still doesn't necessarily involve us having to sit there and play continually for an hour with our child, but also isn't reaching for the screen? The first thing I'm going to say is... Turn off the Wi-Fi for a moment in the house because that can often allow kids to experience boredom. And I feel that we don't allow our kids to experience boredom these days. So true. We actually get a bit nervous when our child is bored and says, what can we do? And the very thing that precedes creativity is boredom, right? So interesting. So I think as parents, I, I think we are juggling multiple roles. Um, uh, you know, it, it can often be stressful times for us coming out of COVID and experiencing the aftermath of COVID. And I think if you can just carve out 10 to 15 minutes a day of 
um, you know, quality one-on-one uninterrupted time with a child, that can go a very long way because it actually helps fill their emotional tanks. Because when a child's emotional tank isn't full, they'll either act out or they'll withdraw. So I think, you know, engaging in um, some some uh, pretend play with a child and the way that you can connect easiest with a child is if you connect to your inner child. A child doesn't want to play with a 40-year-old or a 35-year-old. A child wants to play with a six-year-old in you. And so if you can get in touch with that inner child, and you can think back to the time when you were a kid, what you enjoy doing, what you love doing, and connect to that little girl or that little boy, it's going to be a completely different play experience for the child. And so, I mean, there are many different uh, products that we can use to to um, engage in play with the child. And I'm not trying to be biased here when I say this, but for me, Lego has been a game changer, no pun intended. <laughs> as a kid, as a kid, I used to play for hours on end Lego. And what made Lego fun was the fact that my mom would play with me. So if an adult is playing this game, then clearly it must be a cool game to be playing. So we would spend hours on the carpet, in the living room, building the farm, the hospital, you know, back in the day, we had the farm and the hospital Lego set. Um, and so, because we know the benefits of playing Lego with a child is that it really enhances their fine motor skills. It um, improves their problem-solving skills. It actually helps with spatial, spatial skill development, as well as a study that was conducted in 2014 found they took seven-year-olds and they gave these seven-year-olds a complex... Um, Lego structure to build. And after completing the complex Lego structure, they then went on to complete a math test. And they found that the kids that performed better on the math test were the ones that could complete the complex Lego structure too. So, I mean, it also helps improving resilience. That's incredible, though, about the math test. And I think that links in so well to, you know, 90% of the brain being developed by the age of five. it just, it just shows that we can make such an impact, such a massive difference. It also helped with resilience. Have you ever stood on a Lego piece as a kid? <laughs> okay. you, learn, you learn resilience in those moments, okay? <laughs> and you learn to watch where you stand as well. Watch your step. <laughs> oh, so um, how can we educate our kids through play? Then we were talking about this really recently um, in relation to potty training. Because so many people get to potty training age, which I'm sure we've either been through or we're getting close to that potty training age. And I've heard so many of my friends say, oh, read this book. And, you know, what you have to do is put them on the loo every 45 minutes religiously and then give them a treat afterwards. And someone actually said the other day that the best way to teach potty training to a child, for example, is through play. Because they learn everything else that they do through play. So why would you then get all rigid and structured when it comes to potty training? I mean, play is so, so important. So what what other things can we do to kind of educate children through play? If you're wondering where Montessori schools originated from, it was from Maria Montessori, who was the founder of the school. And it was based off the premise that children will learn through play. And if we make... Uh, learning fun 
kids are going to remember that. It's going to be memorable for them. I mean, I still remember um, ABC. Yeah. I understand and I remember the ABC because it was taught to me in a song. Okay, let's so hope true. I remember it now without the song. But, <laughs> but I mean, we, we remember things through song, dance, association of things. And so the ways that we can make play, um, you know, memorable for kids and we can teach kids through play, let's keep it simple. Let's keep it simple by um, introducing board games into the, the home environment because through board games, children learn about turn-taking, they learn about... Um, Frustration tolerance, right? They learn about being a, a, a good loser, right, and a humble winner. They um, they learn about problem solving. Um, even simple things like having a hula hoop in the house can help with those physical skills development, gross motor skills um, being developed in the, in that space. Bubbles, blowing bubbles, getting children to run off to the bubble and try and catch it, and you know. These are simple ways that we can um, foster that. And as I mentioned earlier, a game like hide-and-seek has got so many benefits to it, right? So I think if we just go back to basics, we're going to find everything that we need. Yeah, so true. And actually, I mean, you're talking then about board games. Sharing is obviously something that a lot of us struggle with when it comes to children. I, for one, at the moment, there's a lot of, it's mine, um, with his sister, who's six months old, and obviously she doesn't have a clue what is going on. How can we raise children to be better at sharing and help them understand that sharing is important, especially with their friends and their family? On the one hand, for them to say it's mine is also healthy because there's a boundary, and this is, you gave this toy to me, yeah, right? And so, yes, it is yours, but in our, fa- in our family, we value sharing. And a way of doing this can be to create a values wheel with your kid. And you go to Creative Minds and you buy a canvas and you buy paint and you create this values wheel. And you think about the top 10 to 15 values that you and your pa- partner want to raise your kids with. They can be values of generosity, kindness, respect, balance, um, creativity, courage, trust, love. And the, and the list goes on, gratitude. And when your child comes to you, and, and, and now you, you, this values wheel, in every spoke of the wheel, there will be a value. Colorful, and the child can create it with you. And when the child comes to you and says, but I don't want to share my toys with my brother, why must I share my toys with my brother? You can point to the values wheel and say, because in our home, we value generosity and sharing. And that's why you're going to need to share your toys with your brother. Not because I said so, because children don't respond well to because I said so. (laughs) And you can use the values wheel for kids who say, but I want to play on my iPad. Why must I get off my iPad? You can say, because in our home, we value balance. And by you being on your iPad 24-7, you're going against that value. So you start disciplining the child, but it's anchored in a value. Yeah. So they leave the home one day with their default value system being intact. And actually, speaking of sharing... When it comes to things like Duplo, it's great because you can all play together as opposed to, that's my car and that's mine, uh, which, yeah, so much at the moment. Play is really important for our children, as we've discussed in many ways, but it's also so important for us as adults. Why is it so important for us as adults to introduce play back into our lives? Well, for one, it keeps the brain agile, so it actually prevents us from aging rapidly. 
and it helps with uh, reducing stress hormones and it releases feel-good endorphins when you are engaging in play and it keeps you in the moment and it's a mindfulness-based exercise. So when I am playing Lego with my, with my child, I am actually focusing on what's happening right now. I'm noticing what's happening right now. I'm in this moment and we know that anxiety is future-based or it's past-based, so we're thinking about the, the, the future or the past. So it does that for us, and it also enhances psychological flexibility. So when you are playing hide-and-seek with your child, you might think it's a good idea to go hide under the bed, but you can't fit under the bed. So you've got to go and hide in the shower. So it gets you to think on your feet. Translate that to the real world when you are trying to troubleshoot an issue at work or at home. You've built up that flexibility that flexible muscle. And research has found that adults only laugh five, five times a day versus kids who laugh 600 times a day. Oh, that's sad. So I think there's something wrong with that stat and we need to change it. Yeah, completely. And actually, I always find that if I've had a really stressful day and I come home, I remove my phone, my laptop, I hide it somewhere and I go into the playroom and spend even just 15 minutes playing with the kids without any other distractions. I come away from that 15 minutes feeling so much better than I did when I went in. But I think removing the screens, the phones, removing everything is so key because otherwise you're doing this here and then looking, swiping this here. And yeah, we need them in our lives, but they're also the devil. It's important to note to all of our listeners that none of us are medical professionals and what we share is completely based on personal experience and opinion. Therefore, should you have any queries, please make sure to always seek professional advice.